It's our first episode. I'm Charlie, and I'm on Skype tonight with my co-host, Tim and Allie. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Hello. Hello. Great. Are you guys excited for our first episode of Insight? I am so excited. Let's do this. Very excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Often we have a known person who's missing, and we can't find them. And sometimes we have an unknown person that their body shows up, but we can't link them to a missing person. And the case we're talking about tonight, we kind of have both, but we might have neither. It's kind of an in-between case. We're going to talk about Lori Erica Ruff. So in 2003, Blake Ruff and Laura, Lori Erica Kennedy met while attending the same Bible study in Texas. Blake came from a close-knit, deeply religious family in Texas, and Lori said she was from Arizona. She had no siblings. Her mother and her father were dead. Her dad, did you guys read like a failed stockbroker or something? I didn't say that part. Yeah, I think that's like the only thing anyone knows about her parents is she said that they, her dad was a failed stockbroker. She had a rough childhood, so she wouldn't ever talk about her past. Some people said she would get really kind of aggressive if she's pushed on her past. I, I read that she said that her parents had passed away mm-hmm. she was younger. Do you read that? Yeah, I read yeah. that. She just said everybody in her family was dead. Yeah, she was an only child and her parents had died. So a year after they met, Blake and Lori got married. And Blake's mother wanted to put an announcement in the paper, but Lori had refused to let her. She essentially said that just wasn't the way her family did things. So instead of the large family wedding that was expected in the Ruff family, Lori and Blake married privately with only a preacher in attendance. Uh, almost, almost every article you read on it, they make a, it, they seem to make a big point about about that. But I suppose for me, it was, it was kind of, you know, probably it's what you're used to. So I, I didn't think that was so significant, but it didn't really stand out to me either, and. I don't know. I guess I guess it just depends on how pushy your in-laws are. Sometimes you just push back because they're pushing boundaries all the time sure. and you're just putting up boundaries. So it could be unhealthy, but it could also just be putting up healthy boundaries. So after they got married, they tried to have a baby, but they had trouble getting pregnant and staying pregnant after they had managed to conceive and they eventually had a daughter through in vitro about four years into their marriage. Their marriage wasn't a smooth one, and Lori's behavior reportedly became less stable the longer they were married. She would leave family functions early or take a nap during them. She was extremely protective of her baby, refusing anyone to hold her. She eventually didn't even want her in-laws to see the baby at all. And we only have the in-laws' word for this, so... And there's nothing, no one's saying why she felt this way. So, I mean, they could have done something that triggered her, you know, like whether it was a valid trigger or not, there might be something behind this that we don't know because it's just her in-laws reporting this. Yeah, we do, We don't yeah, have right. her side of the story. And there's really no one to tell her side of the story. So, exactly. Um, it. That, I mean, I don't know if you guys picked up on this or... It doesn't say it, it, she kept to herself, so it it, it was hard. It, I mean, she didn't even seem like she had any close friends or 
distance friends, for that matter, that she would confine in. I definitely saw that, too. It wasn't her... Uh, I mean, she didn't have family, but she also didn't seem to have anyone. I mean, they don't talk about coworkers talking about her. There's only one report about a neighbor saying she was losing weight or, you know, there's not really a lot from anyone other than the family. Exactly. Because she, she worked from home, didn't she? She's a mystery shopper. Oh, yeah, she did do the mystery shopping where, you know, you interact with people like you do any day in a store. Yeah, it sounded like she would either work uh, from home or, you know, she would visit restaurants or whatever and write a review um, or, or, you know, provide feedback to whoever her employer was. But it didn't sound like she had a network of co-workers or friends or even just acquaintances that she confided in at all. Yeah, I got that too when I was reading it. And, you know, I have a bunch of kids and I love when my mother-in-law takes one or more of them so that I can get a break, <laughs> but she clearly did not want that. But oddly, she kept her distance from them and a lot, had a lot of secrecy with a really close-knit family but she had a few things that she did that seemed like she was trying to be part of the family. I don't know if you saw this, but she started doing their family genealogy. Yeah, I did see that. She started collecting family recipes. And I think that's just such odd behavior for someone who's like finding excuses not to be with the family to then try to do something like that. Yeah, it, it, it is incongruent there that she, on one hand, wants almost nothing to do with the family. And on the other hand, she's looking up, you know, uh, the family tree. It, it does seem a bit odd. Yeah, it makes you wonder if she just really had trouble with those interpersonal relationships. But even if she wanted them, she was having trouble having them and maintaining them. But in the summer of 2010, Blake left and he went and moved in with his parents. And I can't imagine that Lori's secrecy was really helping their marital problems because I can't, I honestly can't imagine being married to someone and not even knowing his parents' names. Yeah. I mean, he, Blake knew nothing. And it, I also can't imagine being someone and not asking or pushing or marrying someone who wouldn't tell me that kind of stuff. But I mean, any, uh, anytime he's brought up, it, he seems to be very... Uh, he doesn't seem to have much of a curiosity. Um, he seems to be... Uh, you know, he just kind of accepted. You know, she... she, she You know, would say she didn't want to talk about it or she didn't want to go into it. And he would just kind of leave it at that. And um, so he comes across as somewhat... Uh, uh, uninquisitive, I guess. But Blake didn't seem to have much of his own personality. Um, he did seem to do what his brother was doing. Had the same, the same kind of car. Yeah, it was a twin brother, right? Yes, same kind of car, same kind of job. They met their wives the same way. And he did everything like a step later than his brother. Like his brother would yes. do it and then he would do the same thing. Yeah, it was almost as if he was follow, following his brother's footsteps. So he seemed easily led anyway. Right. So yeah, I... I just, it's so outside of my own personality that it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But whatever Lori's quirks were before the end of the, before the separation, she really started spiraling after Blake left. And so you can kind of imagine a, 
woman who didn't even want her in-laws to hold her child now had to send the child alone during Blake's parenting time to their house. And I can only, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are divorced and have shared custody, and it's hard enough to send them to their, you know, their dad or their mom's house over the weekend, but to the in-laws she didn't want anything to do with. I mean, I could imagine that was really hard for her, especially with her obvious mental health problems that we'll get to. She ended up, um, according to the in-laws, sending harassing emails to them, even some mildly, maybe vaguely threatening ones, and something about they thought she stole some house keys from them. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I never, I don't know what they were implying there. Uh, like she was either trying to get into their house or um, they felt threatened that she was trying to get in their house. Uh, the, all that I kept reading is that uh, they said that there were some keys missing. And then I guess in, implicit in that is that she took them and it, they felt somewhat threatened by her. Yeah, it said that they were um, looking at getting a cease and desist or they were, they had filed for one already. I kind of, I don't know, you know, when you read things online and one thing says they filed, one thing says they didn't. So I didn't go into the court records to find out. So they may or may not have started to the process of getting a cease and desist because she was contacting them and harassing them to that degree. So this is all just the backstory to get to the real drama of our story. Um, so on Christmas Eve of 2010, Blake's father went out into their driveway and found Lori Erica Ruff dead in her car. She had driven Ugh. to the house, parked in the driveway, and shot herself in the head on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. I imagine, <laughs> I haven't seen it said anywhere, but I'm imagining her daughter was there in the house. Yeah, I have. Because it didn't say her daughter was in the so. car. She had to be somewhere. Right, and since she never left I mean, her daughter anywhere uh, right. with anyone. I would assume that the daughter was there, too, which is, you know, I mean, the, her daughter was a baby, but still to think that she'd done that in her uh, daughter's presence is... Right. So she left two letters behind in the car. One was to her, quote, wonderful husband, and the other was to her daughter for her daughter to open as an adult, which I'm assuming they opened it anyway. Yeah, I don't think they're waiting. <laughs> wait till yeah, they're not going to wait. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the letters were described as rambling, and but without any real information in them. And they were long. Like, I think the one to the husband was 11, 10, 11 pages or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But they have not been made available to the public. So we all we know is that they were rambling and didn't have a lot of information in them. Yeah, although I, th I think she referred to, to him as the most wonderful husband in the world yeah. or something to that effect. It was, uh, so I, you know. Yeah, I had read that it was an affectionate letter, but it didn't mm -hmm. really, there's, I, I'd, I'd be interested to read them, but, oh, you know, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why the, why the family wouldn't want, you know, web sleuths to be reading them, but, so, after the suicide, the family went to the marital home to clean things out, and they found the place completely trashed, as though, like, she just had not been tending to it since Blake had left. And they didn't they didn't go straight away either. They went a few weeks later. Was it? It wasn't immediate. They waited a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see how long it was, but... Yeah, I think they said a week or two. So imagine if it was trashed and there was, like, food on the counters, and then they went a week or two later... 
And she she lived a little distance away, right? Is it was did I did I remember right? It was like a hundred miles or something. I mean, it wasn't just like it was down down the street. It was a, a little. Uh, I thought there was a little distance between them. Yeah. So I imagine after they made arrangements and settled the daughter in and stuff, they went to go get her stuff. You know, a week or two later. That makes. I mean, that makes sense. So. That makes sense, yeah. In the house, they found a lockbox. And Blake said she had the lockbox their entire marriage and that he was told never to go into it. And we've mentioned he didn't seem very curious, so he never did. And he never pushed her on it. And I don't know, would you guys have just left it? Uh, the minute my husband would have left the house, I would have been prying that baby <laughs> open. There was no way I would have waited all that year, all those years. Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine, but if you're willing to accept that your wife won't tell you her parents' names, I guess you're willing to accept a lockbox, yeah, but and, yeah. And again, he he didn't seem to have much of a curiosity, our, our friend Blake. <laughs> I just, yeah, the more I read about this, I'm like, how did she keep so many secrets? How I mean, how could she even find someone who would let her keep that many secrets in a marriage? But he didn't go in it. He was either respecting her privacy or just, like we said, not very curious. I and But now that she was dead, they, her, his family, pried open the lockbox and they found that the person they knew as Lori Erica Ruff didn't exist prior to 1988. So they found, I, they found a lot of things in there and some of it makes sense and some doesn't. But they found the IDs for a Becky Sue Turner as well as her birth certificate. And the ID for Becky Sue Turner had a picture of Lori on it. And, but they also found a newspaper clipping about Becky Sue Turner's death in a house fire in 1971. So they knew, obviously, she wasn't Becky Sue. There was more investigation and it showed that in May of 1988, somewhere, someone from Bakersfield, California, requested the birth certificate of Becky Sue, who was born in Bakersfield in 1969. And after receiving the birth certificate, this person obtained a driver's license in Idaho under the name Becky Sue Turner. Now, for a very brief time, I think it was probably a month or two. Did you? I don't know if you guys saw the dates, but it was like... In May, she got the birth certificate, and then by July, she was had changed her name. She got the driver's license, and she traveled to Dallas and changed her name to Lori Erica Kennedy. Yeah. And then she obtained a social security number under this name, and this is where Lori exists. This is the very beginning. So it doesn't. She didn't really steal an ID. She just or. Becky Sue's identity, she just used it to get and make a new one. Yeah, she borrowed it for a while. It was a means to an end, just to get the identity she wanted. Right, and to get... And I have to say, I just had to renew my driver's license and couldn't find my birth certificate, and it was this huge drama. So, 1988 was a very different time, apparently, and you could just request anybody's birth certificate, and it would be mailed to you. So, I, I mean, with identity theft, obviously we don't do this anymore. And a lot of people I actually saw online questioning how she could have gotten a social security number since most of them are given at birth. So Becky Sue Turner would have already had one. But that wasn't actually what they did in 1988. 
that's a relatively new thing. When Lori appeared, it was actually common for people not to apply for a social security number until they started working. So generally at 18 or 19, applying for a social security number was totally normal in those days. Yeah, just to, just kind of a to um, reiterate that um, very quickly, um, we, uh, my ex-wife and I took my mother on a trip once, um, and um, she never flown before. And this was prior to 9/11. And um, she had um, we we had to get her a uh, an ID for her to get on this on the on the plane. And we had a difficult time because her social security card, which she got as a uh, as an adult and back in the 30s, had her married name on it, not her birth name. So it didn't match the birth certificate. So it was quite common, you know, uh, years ago, not to get a, not to get a birth uh, or social security card until you was ready to work at least. Yeah. You didn't need it to file your kids as your dependents, which you do now. So you apply for birth certificate and social security card at the same time. But back then there wasn't a reason to get it. Exactly. I mean, I even, I don't think I even, I got mine until my dad ordered it when I was like six or seven. Mm -hmm. So there were other items in the lockbox aside from the Becky Sue and the name change to Lori Erica Kennedy. There was a paper that has really become an internet sensation (laughs) with (laughs) scribblings and random notes and I will put the note that we'll put a link to all these, the visuals on our Facebook page. But one of the things that um, was on there was there was an attorney, uh, an an attorney who, when they contacted him, he had never even heard of her. Uh, Also said 402 months. So it said 402 months. By saying 402, it sounds like I'm already putting a, a value or a definition on it. So we can get to that later. Well, but but it's a, it is a big I mean that is seems if you if you look if you look at the forums and things, that's what people seem to focus on is that four hundred and two months. Yeah, that I mean that gets a lot of focus and people yeah, we can talk about um what people have said it means in a minute, but um It also said North Hollywood Police, and it had a phone number. There were a few other Los Angeles phone numbers. There was a Colorado phone number. I didn't reverse look up the phone numbers, but I at least did search the area codes. So that's my due diligence for research here. Oh, good job. So (laughs) I really went out on a limb there. So there also appears to be an address to somewhere in Arizona. The name Kathleen Jung is on the bottom corner, and there is someone with that name in Hollywood. She's a makeup artist, and apparently she was the girlfriend of George Michael. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean, that seems so random. Uh, there was. They also found that she had a mail drop in Nevada that would forward her mail to Dallas. So the notes really look like any piece of paper you would find around your house with a million little notes going every direction. But I mean, it wasn't left on her. If it was on her kitchen counter, nobody would really notice it, but she saved it. So it's obviously something on there. Either all of it or some of it was of significance to her with her mental state. I mean, it's a toss up whether it means anything to anyone else. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the problem I had because that, they were saying that, I read that 
um, in the house they had there was notes with scribbles everywhere. So it means with her mental break, her decreasing mental health, how do we know that what was found in the lockbox was originally in there? She could have put that information in there at any time. It could have been put in there the day before she committed suicide. Yeah, you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't know. Except for that 402 months, there were no, like, actual dates on there. That's the only thing even close to a date, which obviously isn't a date. So it could have been put in there any time. But I think you both make a good point. We talk about her, the the suicide letter, or the letter she wrote to Blake, her husband, and the le- letter she wrote to her daughter as being just, uh, you know, incoherent ramblings. And yet so much significance is given to these uh, seemingly insignificant notes that she's, you know, the things that she has written in this lockbox. Now, it may have been something that was important as you said, Charlie, to her, but in reality may have no meaning whatsoever. We don't know, but... That's right. Yeah, and I mean, the attorney had no idea who she was, so why would she even have his name written down? You know, so it is, it is, seems very random, and you're right, we are saying, oh, the letters are rambly, but this ridiculous piece of paper is so important. I mean, she could have looked up that attorney's phone number the day before to ask a legal question. We, we just don't know. Exactly. And I've read two, I read two different things. I read that he, and, may, and maybe I'm getting my attorneys confused, but I read that he, the attorney was a bankruptcy attorney. Then I've also read that he was a security, he dealt with securities. So do you, did you guys pick up either one of those? I kept seeing reference to a bankruptcy attorney and then another attorney that ended up getting disbarred, but I wasn't sure if they were talking about the same one because what I was reading wasn't entirely clear on that. Yeah, and I think that's the frustrating part about this whole story is that there's we know there's limited information, but I think there's probably more information than we, you know, there's probably more information out there than we that we have act than we have access to. So also found in the lockbox, which is probably the thing that really interests me because I think it's it's a stroke of genius if you're inventing an identity. There was a letter of recommendation from a Roger Steinbeck of the Oriental Hotel in Thailand saying that Lori worked for him from high school until 1988 in exchange for rent. So the hotel exists, Roger does not. And I've some people seem really baffled by this letter, but it actually makes so much sense to me. Probably the only thing in the case that makes sense. It fills in the gap between high school and the her Lori 1988 identity. It gives her both employment history and rental history. It's in a... But because she worked in exchange for rent, there's not going to be a paper trail or any, you know, payroll receipts. And it was in Thailand. Yeah, good luck calling and uh, calling the hotel and getting any information, right? Right, and what are the odds that some, I mean, what kind of job would she, is she looking for at 19? She went to go get her GD, and so she wasn't exactly, I mean, is Walmart going to call Thailand for a reference? Right. I mean, for a 19-year-old? They're just going to, and you only need that reference letter for your first job, and then you have a reference letter for your next job. Exactly. 
yeah, who's going to call Thailand or the places she would rent? No one would call. And so I actually thought that was a stroke of genius. Yeah, she 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 did some planning around this. I mean, you know, this was sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Definitely. So a private investigator was hired by the family to try to find out her original identity. But because she had a social security card as a false identity, that's actually a crime. And so an investigator from the Social Security Administration is also investigating this. They've used fingerprints, facial recognition, all of that's been run. There have been multiple missing women compared to Lori, but nobody can match her up to anybody. But we do have some clues that kind of narrow things down, though I don't really think they point in any one specific direction. So here are a few of the big clues, and then we'll kind of talk about piecing them together into the theories of who she really was. So the first clue is that every state prior to becoming Lori Kennedy was a Western state. So she said she was from Arizona. She got the birth certificate in Bakersfield, California. She went up to Idaho. She went down to Dallas. So she also didn't have any discernible accent. So while that doesn't rule out that she could have been from the East Coast or the Deep South, it it does narrow it down. And so they do believe that she was probably from a Western state. Also that she didn't want her mother-in-law to put her engagement or wedding announcement in the paper. She wouldn't give the names of her parents, but it also could be that she didn't want her picture to go in the paper. And while... Someone in Vermont probably wouldn't see a Dallas newspaper. Someone in New Mexico could and might be able to identify her. So that's one theory of why she wouldn't want the announcement in there. I think she didn't want the announcement in there because she didn't want to give out any information, even false information, because that's where you could really get trapped. If she gave out her parents' names, her in-laws could go and look for them. So I think she was just doing that, but... Uh, the second clue is that she adopted Becky Sue's birth date, obviously, when she took her identity, and that would put her birth year at 1969, and she would have been barely 19 when she got that Idaho driver's license. And I don't know, did you guys see that picture from that Idaho driver's license? Yeah, there's, there seems to be an agreement that she was older than, what, uh, older than, uh, Becky Sue. Between the ID... Also, this was a really rather sophisticated identity change. She had to know a lot about applying for a driver's license and how the courts work and how to file all that paperwork. I mean, I'm 37 and I can't renew my driver's license on time. So this kind of, you know, it's kind of subjective to say she looks younger or she looks older and she's doing things that an older person would do. But I really, I mean, I think that definitely makes it seem like she's older, And her fertility issues could also have been caused by her age. Mm -hmm. And so they estimate her birth year being between 1960 and 1969, which, I mean, nine years, that's pretty wide net. But 1960 would have put her at 48 when she had her daughter. And while that's not, like, outside the realm of possible, even in vitro at 48 is not very likely to be successful. It's unlikely. Yeah, so I would definitely, I would put her more in the mid-60s for a birth date, personally. What did you guys think? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I agree as well. And I, yeah, I think it, uh, she's probably older, but 
you know, by maybe a few years. Right. Yeah. Not significantly. Which one of the things that's interesting is Becky Sue had two sisters also die in that same fire. And one of them was a year older. And it kind of makes me wonder why she didn't take that identity. What, you know, she decided to shave an extra year off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to if you're going to start over, you might as well shave a year or two. Off. <laughs> 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 you, 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 you think that way when you're young anyway. And, and as you wait for waiting around for, to uh, receive your social security check, you might wish you went the other way. But <laughs> you're on the other end <laughs> of that. Yeah, I guess that's true. So. People point towards Lori's mental instability as a clue, but I mean, I don't know. It was she unstable and that caused her to create a new identity or is the reason she created a new identity causing the mental instability? Like that one just seems like, I don't know, the cat chasing the tail. It doesn't really seem to get you anywhere. Well, I mean, that's the whole problem, isn't it? I mean, there's a, we just don't know. I mean, you just... You don't know what type of environment she came up in, and you don't know if her disappearance was a result of her environment or a result of her, you know, uh, mental health issues. You don't know which came first. So that one, people keep bringing it up, but I don't, I, I don't think it's that big of a clue because, like you said, which came first. So the fourth big clue is the sophistication of her, of the ID change. Some people say it's a sign of her being older, but some people think it was, it's a sign that somebody helped her. So if we walk through it, she used a birth certificate of a girl in her rough age range that was born in one state, but died in another, making it less likely anyone would put, connect it. Then she traveled to another state for her ID, then a fourth state for her name change. Yeah, that seemed to be the way you would go about it. Although, I, I, I really think, you know, you have to, I think for me, I have to keep in mind uh, kind of the time frames we're looking at here. And as you mentioned before, um, it, it wasn't really all that difficult to do uh, prior to 9-11. I mean, it was it wasn't difficult to get a, uh, a birth certificate, uh, and really, once you get uh, one piece of information, you know, then it's, you know, then you're just getting uh, documenta- documentation to support that and uh, and build upon that. And once you once you get on a roll, it really wouldn't be that difficult. Now today, it would be diff- more difficult. I think it can still be done today, actually. But I think it it would be much more difficult than it, you know, with the internet and and and, and the databases and uh, you know the uh, the whole security because of uh, identity theft. But I, I that that wasn't you know that wasn't prevalent that much in in at this, in this time frame. So I think you could have got away, especially if you're talking about um, you know a small government agency in a small town um, asking for records. They're, 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 you know people are you know they're busy with their jobs. They're just not going to give it all that much attention. Even today, if you had a birth certificate, you could pretty much get everything else you needed if you could get your hands on that birth certificate which is why it's hard now to get a birth certificate ask me how i know but before (laughs) that before i lost my birth certificate 
living in one state and my birth certificate being in another one. I had done genealogy and my grandmother's father had remarried and had a baby, but my grandmother knew no details. And so we decided we were going to go use the internet and try to find him. And I contacted Connecticut and Maine, which are the two states he might have been born in. Turns out it was Maine. And neither one would release birth certificates to someone who wasn't the person or the parents who've been born in the last 100 years. So if you make it to 101, somebody can steal your identity. But 100 (laughs) and earlier, you can't get them. But if you got your hands on one, then you'd you'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah. But, you know, again, this was a whole different time, you know. Totally different. in, In some ways, I think today, it would almost even... In some ways, it would be easier to create a false identity using social media and just creating a whole different person. Uh, but getting those official documents is a whole lot more difficult today. There was one other clue that I kind of came across that I people build on. I Again, so many of these, I feel like I'm just repeating what other people put stock in that I don't really put a lot of stock in myself. But it is a little interesting. As Lori Erica Kennedy, she did have breast implants and worked as a stripper. Now, this isn't doesn't seem like a huge deal, except that she was such an intensely introverted and private person that a lot of people find it to be a big stretch that she would go into that type of work unless she had some previous experience in sex work or in stripping. I don't think so, because if she was going off to start a new life, it seems to me it's an easy way to make money. You don't need any experience. You don't need any ID besides proving you're over 18, 21. Yeah, and a lot of of your pay is going to be in cash, too. Yeah, and also, sometimes when people go and try to reinvent themselves, they do something that is entirely out of their character to try to become a different person. So if this was linked to a mental break, her... Trying something out in an extreme seems actually kind of logical. Mm-hmm. And she could make a lot of money in a short period of time. I mean, she wouldn't have had to do it for very long. Right. And and she didn't have to worry about running into anyone who knew her. Because <laughs> apparently she, she avoided that. But so now this whole thing is really to get to the big question, which is who the hell was she? And... A smaller question, why did she become Lori? And before we work out those questions, is there anything else you guys wanted to add to our overview of her life? Anything I missed? No, I'm, I'm ready for the, I'm ready to work, to solve who she was. Well, the only thing I would just say is, again, this is what we know of her. But along the way, even as Lori Kennedy she had. She's had to have co-workers. She's had to have classmates. Uh, there's other girls stripping. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's, there's, there's other information out there. It's how do you access that information? And that is the difficult part. She did have that one ex-boyfriend who said that she was very intense before she met Blake. But besides yes. that, no one's come forward. Yeah, he's really the only one who knew her that's saying anything. And then uh, they had, uh, when her and Blake had, uh, at, when they were having marital problems, they went to a, a counselor. Uh, I believe it was associated with the church. 
and I thought this was really strange, but his brother attended the counseling sessions. And <laughs> I, I just could not imagine, you know, I just, you know, I've, I've done couples counseling when I was a social worker, and I just cannot imagine uh, bringing a third party in, even though it was a relative, unless that third party was directly in, in somehow connected, you know, to the, to this relationship. I'm not suggesting that, but it just seems so odd to me that he would bring it. So either he had such a, and it sounded like, you know, from what you read, that Blake did have some problems communicating, uh, that he he would pretty much, you know, he was pretty much, everything was pretty much on the surface. And uh, I just thought that was so odd. And then, you know, it's probably not relative to the story at all, unless it's just, you know, maybe some insight into their relationship, but but him having to bring his brother into a counseling session, I just thought was bizarre. That is really odd. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I mean, I can't imagine, unless he had some involvement in their relationship, that that made Lori feel safe at all to have a third exactly. party. Exactly, exactly. Now, this, I believe Definitely. this was, you know, this was counseling associated with the church. So, you know, maybe they have different perspectives, as say, as opposed to going to a, uh, uh, psycho uh, therapist. Yeah, counseling through churches because of separation of church and state across the board. There are different rules for churches. Mm-hmm. Like in in the field of sign language interpreting, you have to be licensed and certified in the United States to do it anywhere except a church. A church can hire whoever they want. Right. Couples counseling therapy sessions with a minister is doesn't have the same requirements as if I wanted to be a therapist. So, I mean, we don't even know the, like you said, the procedure or the experience of the person they were talking to. Exactly. So I've I've gone out onto Reddit and Web Sleuths to get our theories. Oh, <laughs> good. People, These um, should be some good ones. There's no end to theories. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And I know Allie found a very creative one, so. We'll get to that. <laughs> the main thing is... People are really just trying to match her with missing women, and some are looking specifically towards children who went missing that would match the age range. Because if Lori had been kidnapped and escaped her kidnappers, or she was kidnapped by a parent who she wanted to escape from, she might not even really know her true identity, but wanting to shed the one her kidnapper gave her, she had to invent an entirely new one. So, kidnap child is theory number one. I think it is possible that she could have been a runaway at some stage, you know, been in and out of foster homes, on the streets. In that case, it would have been less likely for her to be declared missing and she would have learnt more about creating new identities maybe and the whole stripping idea. It would have been easier for her to come up with that. She may have aged a bit sooner due to the harder lifestyle. That is a possibility. Yeah, aging out of foster care is a really tricky place to be. And they actually had read an article a few years ago about they can't really get a good handle on how many kids in foster, how many teens in foster care are runaways because they just run away. They leave group homes, they leave, you know, private foster homes, and they just kind of drop off the social workers' very long list of kids. And people just, they can just disappear. And their parents aren't looking for them. If she was on the streets for a long period of time, I mean, who would have declared her missing? Right. 
That's probably the most sane explanation. That's our most sane theory. I promise you, they don't get any better. So, <laughs> so because of the paper she kept in her lockbox, had the number for a police station, the name of an attorney, and the mysterious 402 months. Some people think she was running from the authorities because she was facing criminal charges. Now, 402 months is 33 and a half years. So that would have been a really significant crime if that's the amount of time she was facing and the attorney never heard of her. So I I find it hard that someone who was facing a very serious criminal charges wouldn't have been recognized by now. Uh, yeah, I I don't buy the criminal uh, uh, the being on the lam and, and 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 it's basically because if if you are going to be running from the police and uh, you you've already got a uh, new identity, she had Becky Sue. She she had she had the little girl's identity. She already had that. She had an ID. She had a driver's license. She had a birth certificate. If I'm facing forty, what is that? Thirty three and a half years. We said, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever the amount of time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with the justice system. I'm not going to petition the court to change my name so I can get a new social security number. I mean, you're really running a hell of a risk by doing that. Uh, if you wanted for something, anything at all, especially if you weren't for something that's going to warrant 33 years in prison. So I, I don't buy the, uh, I don't buy the fact that she was running from, from the law. If she had a birth certificate, she could have gone anywhere without an extradition treaty. She didn't have to go to Texas. I mean, if you're really on the lam, why are you going to go to Texas? They're not nice to criminals there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's not known as a safe haven. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So I don't. I don't buy that she was. uh, She was uh, running from the police. Um, Again, I just don't think. I think if you do that, you. you, If you've been so careful for so long, uh, and went to all the trouble to get a an identity that you have. And then you're just not going to go and stand in front of a judge and swear that this is you. And there's just too many things that can go wrong. So on to our next theory. The paper in the lockbox wasn't dated. So the 402 months could have been referring to someone's age, her age at the time she wrote it, someone else's age, maybe her fake age. I mean, it's a weird way to record age by months. I mean... If you're a mom and you say your kid's 30 months, people look at you crazy. Like, why don't you say two and a half years? So, I mean, it's, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't. I mean, I have no idea what the, the 40, 402 months even means. I had this bright, you know, I had this revelation that, um, wait a minute, that's about 30 years. And so I grabbed my calculator real quick to figure it out. So that I had this revelation that this was about a mortgage, and she was looking at a 30-year note, but it didn't come out quite right. Yeah, I just missed Yeah, it. because but. when you refinance a loan, you will write it in months. Yeah. That's true. That's the one time you do write years and months is when you're getting a loan. I didn't think about the loan angle. Some people think the numbers might have been separate. Like, it might have been 40 in two months, or they're going to be 40-something in two months. Or she had to pay $40 for two months for some fee, or I don't know. Uh, 
In other words, it could mean anything, and we're not really going to crack it. Like, and, and it and it could mean nothing. It could mean nothing. She could have just wrote it down. Most of the theories are along the lines of escaping. Um, one is she was in a sex trafficking ring. Another's avoiding an abusive family, and there's some rumblings of having left a cult. And a, some people talk about LeBaron's um, polygamous cult, the, you know, former Mormon off the grid kind of thing. I don't know why people have chosen that one, but that's maybe that's one that people are aware of. So that's why they've chosen it. But really any off the grid kind of group would do. And she wouldn't even necessarily be hiding from them. These groups don't register births with the state. They're off the grid. So she, if she left the group, she wouldn't have an identity. She would have to make one up. I think it's unlikely she was in a cult or something like that because she was obviously educated. Um, she could get a GED. She could get a degree. So she had some kind of formal schooling at some stage. Yeah, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not, but one of the theories I saw out there was also that, kind of in line with these far-out theories, that she was a Soviet spy. And, and, you know, to me, that, the cult, the sex trade trafficking, you can see where there there are possibilities, but if you look at it rationally... Um, and you know how many uh, how many people are you know are involved with a, a, a cult? Um, very 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 few. So um, it, it, chances are it's probably you know these although these theories are fun to talk about. Um, and I don't mean to steal your thunder there in case you got some more good ones for us. Oh, I got some more good ones. Okay, good. Um, but I agree with Allie. I, I think the likelihood is it's probably a less complicated than that. But I'll see. I'll bite my tongue. Yeah, in, enjoy the complicated <laughs> theories. They're fun. So the, let's talk about her being a spy because that is on my list. Okay. Um, whether she was currently a spy as Lori Erica Ruff or she was a former spy who was being reintegrated into normal life, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because she doesn't really... I mean, what was she spying on? It's not like she married into a political family or an influential family. She married into a super Christian, normal, Texas, close-knit family. And she was, I mean, a secret shopper. I mean, is she <laughs> finding out trade secrets of Applebee's and She's selling them? I mean, I... What would be the ideal time to attack Applebee's? <laughs> I mean, really, what is she spying on? So... Her being a spy doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, having to start over after having been a spy, it would kind of explain how well done her new identity was, but it wouldn't explain why, you know, the CIA didn't tell Social Security, hey, stop investigating. Yeah, I think if I think had she been a spy for either, you know, for either the United States or the Soviet Union or any other government, um, they probably would have come, even though her story is pretty good and her, you know, she did a good job of getting the ID. 
and all that. I think she probably would have had a lot more. Uh, generally, if you're if you're in a there's espionage involved, you're going to have a cover story. She doesn't even seem to have a cover story other than everyone's dead. You know, everyone I know is dead. So. Yeah, her lack of a cover story is very suspicious. And when you're trying to be a spy, you don't want to be suspicious. Yeah. Because I think that lacks, I think it does lack the sophistication of the ID because there was no backstory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as her being a spy, I mean, I don't think the FBI, the CIA needs to steal a dead child's ID. I think they're quite capable of coming up with an entirely new person. Exactly. Right, because you... If you're using an ID that actually belonged to somebody whose death was in a newspaper, you're always running the risk someone's going to find that out. Even before Google, someone could have found that out. Sure. I don't think the FBI needs to do that. Yeah. And along with the spy idea is that she was a con person and she was, I don't know who she was conning. I mean, Applebee's, the (laughs) family. I mean, she got nothing out of it. She lived in a house that was completely trashed. I mean... She had no secret stash of money. The lockbox, if it had money in it, maybe that would have been something. But So the con person doesn't really seem to stand up. And witness protection was another in that realm. But, I mean, again, the government would have told Social Security office to kind of back off. Yeah. And again, with the witness protection, with the witness protection program theory... Again, how many people are really actually in witness protection? Maybe a few hundred, maybe, you know, maybe more. But the odds of her being in witness protection just (laughs) seems to be so astronomical that, you know, I mean, it's possible. Just like, you know, all these, all the theories are fun. It's fun to talk about and the possibilities. But again, I think if you're looking at what is most likely, that um, it's probably not likely she was a spy or in the witness protection program, although, you know, it would make a great movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, any of these explanations would be great. Amnesia is another one that would be really great. But, I mean, amnesia kind of falls flat for me because if she had amnesia, why didn't she just say, I have amnesia and get treatment for it? I mean, you don't create a new identity just because you can't remember who you are. Exactly. I mean, that's a medical condition. And amnesia is also rare if we're going to go in the, you know, likelihood. Exactly. Exactly. But probably my favorite that I have found, favorite as in most ridiculous, other than the one Allie found, but is what if she was actually Becky Sue? What if she didn't die in the fire and got her birth certificate so she could change her name and hide? But that doesn't explain where she's been for the 16 years <laughs> between the fire. Yeah, I, I, I read that as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting because, I mean, if, if the, you know, it's hard to... It's hard to tell what you're, if what you're reading is authentic or not when you're doing these searches on the web. But I have seen pictures of her with supposedly Becky Sue's relatives. And, you know, there's, you can see where there's some resemblance. But again, you know, like you said, wh- why? And um, what happened in, in that space but, you know, of the 16 years or whatever. But... That's a fun one. I, you know, I, I ran across that one as well. It's, it's an interesting one. I've tried to come up because I do kind of like this. This would be a great twist in a book. And so I've been trying to kind of figure out where she would get from being a two-year-old 
who died in a fire, to a 19-year-old trying to reclaim her identity, and I can't really get there. I mean, nobody saw her. Did her parents keep her locked in a basement? What about the other two children who died in the fire? Like, it just... I really wish, like, my creative writing brain could come up with a plot line for this. Mm -hmm. This would be a great book. But I I can't really get there, even though it is my my favorite fake theory. But kind of along the lines of using Becky Sue's identity, I mean, it... Why did Lori pick her? How did she find out about it in Washington State? So... You know, even going with Allie's idea of her being a foster care runaway, what, I mean, now they did show Lori's picture to Becky Sue's family and they did not recognize her. But, I mean, if they met her once as a child, they wouldn't have recognized yeah, her. Yeah, she would have been or... completely, uh, I mean, you're talking, uh, f- she went from a child to a grown woman. Yeah, it was 16 years between the fire and and Lori Erica showing up. And I mean, they might not have even met her because if three kids die in a house fire, everyone in that town and the surrounding towns know what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would think a good place to start would be looking at foster kids in Washington state around that time. You know what? Cause mm-hmm. or just, or just anyone living in that area at the time. I mean, because um, you know, maybe she knew the family, maybe she didn't. Like you said, that that's a major story. We had when I uh, when I was about nineteen or twenty, we had a, a house fire in our neighborhood. It was actually right next to my house, um, and two children died. And it was regional news. I mean, it was you know all the surrounding cities sent uh, news crews and things. So it was a big story. So if if that happened and my guess, and then this is, you know, when if we ever find out what happened, I think she was in a place where she would have known about that story. I don't think she just came across it in a newspaper or stumbled on a a, a gravestone or something. I, I think she probably knew had some connection. Might not have been a close connection, but I think she had some connection to that story. It was either in her town or in her neighborhood. Um, or maybe it was relayed to her by someone else, but I think it uh, she it it wasn't a uh, just a coincidence that she chose this name. I think she she was familiar with that story. Yeah, I don't think she's more than one step removed from that story. Those are all the um, fun theories I found. Did anyone find any others that they would like to share? I've been promising Allie's great theory that she found. I've also uh, seen suggestions that perhaps um, she was an illegal alien. Oh. That she maybe perhaps was from Canada. And that um, apparently in the late 80s, there was a crackdown on employers to verify... Um, the status of workers and that she had to seek out a um, identity uh, to to be able to stay in the country. Um, I don't I don't think it's a good theory, but it's one that's out there. It's not I don't I don't think that's what happened, but um, it's interesting, you know, that, um, that she overstayed her visa. She wanted to stay in the states. And the only way she could do that was to become a U.S. citizen, uh, either 
going through uh, and waiting a very long time to go through that process or creating her own identity. So she would have only had to go back to Canada for what, like six months to renew her visa or something and come back. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the yeah, I don't know what the um, you know, I don't know what uh, why she would do it. And I don't know. Um, and, and I've seen different locations uh, that, you know, uh, that she may have been European or I, I don't like I said, I don't buy into it. I think, at, again, what are the odds? Um, I think, but it's just another theory that I saw out there. That I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I never thought about that. Um, I don't think it was true, though. I don't think that that's what happened, but it would explain uh, trying to get a different identity. Uh, but you would have to kind of know the ropes a little bit uh, of, you know, kind of know the ropes a little bit on how to go about getting uh, uh, identification and all that as uh, in the U.S. So, uh, uh, I, I don't buy it, but it was. I just read it, so I thought I'd mention it. So, Allie, can we hear your theory? Well, I've cracked the case. <laughs> She's a time traveler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I was reading on Reddit that um, that she's really a man because she was like five ten or something. A bit manish. No, um, the fact that she had uh, there was possibility she might have had Marfan syndrome or something like that. The fact that she had larger than normal hands, that was a big thing. A lot of people mentioned I her hands. I know. I kept running cross-reference. I'm like, leave this poor woman's hands alone. What does it matter? It's like Donald Trump. Hands yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What is... Yeah, I, I did... Re- I have read that a lot about her hands. I looked for pictures of her hands, like holding, I don't know, a quarter or like a pencil so I could get some perspective, but I couldn't find anything about her mannish hands. <laughs> You need a hand in a rule, obviously, happy. I think it was uh, maybe the, the counselor that I mentioned earlier that met with her, her husband, and his brother. Um, he kept, I, I believe in his, some of his statements, he, he kept talking about her fidgeting while they, they were mm. talking. And he kept mentioning fidgeting with her large hands. <laughs> what, what a weird description. But I mean, she was like 5'10", and so she, it's not like she was a small person in general. You know, it's not like she's 5'2", with these huge hands. But the, I mean, the main no, argument... That would explain why it was difficult to conceive a child. It would not explain in vitro, though, <laughs> because you do, in fact, need a uterus. That's true. <laughs> Even in vitro... The fact that she had a, a, her boob job and that um, no one has recognized her since then is the fact that she was really a man. And she faked an entire pregnancy, fertility. The, so to, in vitro, you have to go to a fertility doctor for a while and have tests run. So I'm pretty sure they would have flagged her if, you know, if she had been born male. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's a funny one, though. Yeah. I, I, that's a... So do you guys have any other thoughts? Um, in terms of what do we really think happened? Yeah, or anything we have, anything we've missed that you've come across, or what you really think, where Lori came from. No, I don't. I think we've hit all the major theories. I mean, like I said, other than she's a time traveler or she's an <laughs> alien, or I think we've pretty much touched on all the all the 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 ones that I've that come across my reading. I just think that the, the most likely situation was that she was a runaway, fell through the cracks of foster homes, 
and just wanted to give a new start. Yeah, and even if she was a runaway and she, I mean, Lori could be her real name, but she just had no documentation because when you run away, you don't have that documentation. She would, it would flag it for her parents if she went and tried to get her birth certificate. She may not have had the information. You know, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why she would want someone else's identity. And she did take that identity and very quickly use it just to invent an identity. So it's not like she was looking to steal someone else's identity. And the fact that she, if she was a runaway, never had a real family would explain why she was so overprotective of her daughter. I mean, if that's all she has, of course you're going to hold on to it for all all your worth. Yeah, and that might explain, too, uh, also the relationship with her husband and his family. I mean, if, like you said, Ali, if, if the baby becomes the most precious thing in the world... But, you know, she, she, the family was sort of represented, maybe in her mind, a threat to her um, in terms of coming between her and her husband. And, or, uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, that uh, who, she probably had a lot of uh, issues around relationships and around, uh, you know, being close to someone. And, uh, and I'm just going to say this is probably sound, it's probably going to sound very, very, uh, I hope this doesn't sound very sexist, but I'll, I'll edit it out if it does. Okay. Please do. <laughs> but let's just say, you know, someone told me this once that, um, you know, I have no experience in this, of course, at all, but women who are work in dan- uh, adult entertainment stripping, a lot of times they have, I've had bad experiences with men, um, which, and this might be just as crazy as the alien theory. I don't know. But in my mind, she's had had, probably had, she's running from something or somebody. And I think it comes down to one of two things. Either she was a runaway. She was just leaving her family behind and running away for whatever reason, abuse, neglect. Maybe they just didn't care. Or she was just, you know, like you said, maybe in the foster care system and, and just um, walked away from it. Uh, or she may have been in an, uh, in an abusive situation, a relationship with a man, and, and you know, was worried that he was going to find her and um, to get uh, away from him, create this whole new identity so that, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, women in abusive relationships and I think um, far more women in abusive relationships than there are, you know, KGB spies hanging out in, uh, across the country. So I think the likelihood is that um, it was probably one of those two situations where she she was either a run runaway, uh, either a runaway, uh, you know, from her parents, or and and who knows, she may have been she had, there may have been some abuse in her family. Uh, or she was running away from an abusive relationship, um, you know, uh, with a boyfriend or maybe a husband. I mean, we don't know. I definitely, um, I like the, I mean, I like a lot of these theories for all sorts of reasons. But I think the most likely is that she was a runaway living on the streets for a certain amount of time and figured out how to get a stable life as best she could. And I think that would explain her mental health issues, her insecurities, 
her protectiveness of her own child. I know that people who have been in foster care will often be afraid their child's going to be taken away. And because they have that experience so very real in their minds, um, maybe she was afraid her in-laws were going to call CPS on her. And that's why she didn't want them around. If they, I mean, if they were constantly criticizing her parenting, we don't know. Yeah. Then that's, that's the problem is we have one side, we have their story. Right. We don't have her story. And I'm not saying that their story is, you know, that they're not being honest from their own perception, but what was she perceiving on her end? Right. Yeah, because what we put out there isn't what people always take. And Exactly. And if she has baggage from instability in her youth, then... I mean, she may be projecting that onto everything they say. So a minor criticism may come as an attack to her. Exactly. And then her interest in preserving their family history and family recipes, that just that just seems really sad to me. Like, she really... it. I mean, had she not cared about his family at all, I don't think it would have come across as sad to me. But it seems like she really cared and wanted it, but she couldn't handle it. Exactly. I think she tried. She wanted to be a part of something that she couldn't be. But, you know, uh, some of the things, in some ways, I, I could relate to her in, 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 in a lot of ways. Um, she's a very private person. I'm kind of a private person. Um, I love my in-laws when I, was, when I was married. I love them today. But I would go to their house and go and take a nap, you know, and, and, and you know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, spend... Uh, all the time I could, uh, you know, they had, I can, I, I have two brothers and they're both eight and 10 years older than me. So in some ways it was like being an only child. My ex, uh, she, she come from a family of like 10 kids. So when you're not used to that, uh, being around a large family like that, and then, uh, going to family functions and being around, it can be overwhelming, um, so I can, you know, in some ways I can see like, yeah, I can see why she wanted her own space and, you know, she wanted, uh, she wanted, um, to, uh, have some downtime and alone time. So, uh, in some ways I can relate to her. Um, she takes it to a whole different level with the secrecy, but, um, you know, if you, if you're not, if you come from a background where you, of, inst- where you have an, inst- uh, in- there's a lot of instability, um, and you don't have a lot of, of true relationships in your life, I, I can see being withdrawn, especially if, if, if uh, you know, uh, the family is, you know, they want to put the picture in the paper, they want, you know, they, they're, they want, the, they're asked, they're doing 20 questions every time you come over about your family, and it's perfectly normal for some people, uh, but it's not, you know, for other people, it, uh, if you're a very private person, or you just don't know the answers, and maybe it's just a shame that she doesn't, you know, she didn't come, she didn't have a normal, what we would call a normal, quote unquote, you know, childhood. Um, it could make her uncomfortable. I can see her not wanting to, you know, want wanting to get away from that. Yeah, and I have friends who either eloped or wish they had after their in-laws or their own parents started getting involved in their wedding plans. I mean, there are a lot of reasons, like like you said, for her behaviors that I don't feel necessarily trigger anything for me, you know, taking a nap mm-hmm. at a family function. 
I, I have a bunch of kids, so I would regularly take a nap at a family function if someone else was <laughs> watching them. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And then feeling attacked when people are criticizing her parenting, that might have been what made her start pulling away. So there are a lot of things that, had she not killed herself and they found that locked box, wouldn't be flags at all. But looking yeah. back, we see everything as a red flag only because we know there's something and we're trying to figure out what it is. And that's all we've got to work with. It's just frustrating because there is, you, you, like I said, and you know that there has to be a lot more information out there. For example, she got, a, she got her GED. And she got, she went to the, I think it was the University of Texas and got a degree in business administration. Okay, she had to pay for that somehow. Uh, if she didn't, she had to take out student loans or grants or something. There's, there has to be more paperwork out there that exists and more records uh, than, 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 you know, than we have access to. So that's, uh, and there has to be people... She's had to have professors that remember her or, or, or uh, other students in her class uh, or, like I said, friends who were worked, she worked with when she was stripping. Uh, my guess is if you, ha- if you could go back and, and you had all the time and money in the world and all the resources in the world, you could probably fill in a lot of these blanks, especially, you know, she's worked, she's paid in Social Security, so you could find out co-workers, you could find out where she used to work. So, I mean, I think that there's, that information is out there, whether or not anyone will put the effort to get it, who knows? I mean, there, you know, there's apparently no crimes that's been committed, so uh, the authorities don't care that much. I know the one gentleman with the Social Security Administration was, you know, he was kind of taking us on as an extra project, but um, obviously he has limited resources, too. I, you know, I, I, they have ran her fingerprints. Um, there was no matches. They've uh, apparently done a lot with, uh, um, what is it, photo recognition? Mm-hmm, or, the facial recognition. And, um, facial recognition and it's been no real clear matches although i've seen some theories out there on that too that um, had some photos of missing you know people who were missing around that time and um you could see some resemblance but who, you know who knows uh, but i i think the answer is out there it, it's a matter of having all the resources in the world to get it When I would see a side-by-side of her with a missing woman and someone's like, look at their nose, look at this, I would look at those things and be like, wow, that's a really close match. And then they would, someone would post another side-by-side and tell me, well, look at the eyes and the ears. And I'm like, wow, that's a really close match. They're like telling me what to look for. So they all look like matches. Yeah. But they're... Exactly. I mean, she was Lori Erica Kennedy for, what is it, like 14 years before she married her husband. And in those 14 years... She did not pick up any friends or really strong acquaintances. I mean, I can't imagine having 14 years. And it's so not only did she not have a past before she became um, Lori, she didn't seem to build anything until she got married. She didn't have she didn't start building a past. So except for that one boyfriend who said she was weird and a little intense or a lot intense, there's really like nobody, it didn't seem like, like they, the family seems baffled. They don't, they can't think of any friends she had or anything like that. 
And I mean, that's 14 years of being Lori before she met her husband. That is also rather right. blank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's, it, it probably is not as blank as we think, but we don't have the ability to, you know, to go out and do um, the research that it would take. I mean, it, 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 obviously, she didn't build relationships, and she kind of, it, it seems, went out of her way not to not to build relationships. But it's hard to get by. I mean, it's hard to pay your uh, electricity bill. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to put food on the table unless you have some relationships, even if they're very shallow relationships. Um, and it just seems that, you know, there's this big, she could barely be anyone we want her to be because it's just a big blank page. All right. So any final thoughts before we wrap it up? That's just a very sad story. And mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the poor daughter will never really know who her mother was. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the sad part. And um, she won't know that, that whole side of the family. You know, she won't, she won't know. She's only going to know her father's side of the family because it, whoever, whatever occurred on her mother's side died with her mother. Yeah, it actually, um, saying about her daughter made me think about her medical records, if you go to a fertility doctor, they take a lot of family his medical history. It's not, you know, so I wonder what she said. And if she was really desperate to have a child, she probably wouldn't have lied on those. She probably would have told mm -hmm. the truth so that she could get the best medical care. But I mean, my mom had a hysterectomy at 43. doesn't really narrow down who her mom was, but right, it did right. make me think of another avenue. If, you know, we could violate someone's privacy and get their medical records, that'd be, that'd make this easy. <laughs> exactly. But no, it is sad. And it said, I mean, she committed suicide on Christmas Eve. Whatever happened to her before she became Lori and whatever set her on that path is, it's just, it's still a tragedy. So, yeah, on that, exactly. on that cheery note, we'd like to thank everyone <laughs> for listening to our first episode. So rate and review us in the iTunes store if you liked us, because that helps people find our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at insightfulpod at gmail.com or tweet at insightfulpod. Obviously, Insight was already taken on those platforms. So, Tim, where can they find us on Facebook? Uh, at Insight, I-N, two words, I-N-S-I-G-H-T. All right. And we are on Instagram. Thanks to Allie. Allie, where can we be found on Instagram? At InsightPod. See, apparently they weren't taken on those platforms. Our music is by Scott Buckley and our art is by Allie. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>